It is a pleasure to be with you tonight. We appreciate your attendance, especially if you're visiting with us. We are so glad that you're here, and we would invite you back at every opportunity that you have. would like to make one little uh, update for the congregation. Uh, yesterday, several of our uh, sisters uh, came together and uh, met with uh, Mary Burnett and her oldest granddaughter, Sierra, and they went and they had a lunch, and they went and purchased some school clothing. And first of all, I want to say thank you so much to our sisters who, who did that, who came together in, uh, in a way to welcome Mary and, and Sonny. But I also want to update you on some issues that are going on in, in their home life. Uh, of course, they uh, converted out of the Seventh-day Adventist denomination and Everything seemed to be going pretty good until the following weekend they had a family reunion. And of course that tends to uh, cause some problems and especially if you don't know uh, a whole lot of the intricacies of God's religion. When what you understand is that you didn't do what was studied in the Bible and the examples that we read to be a Christian, uh, that's what we need to know. That's, that's the beginning step. But then the process continues. And they are on that process. And so their family has put a lot of pressure on them and uh, accused them of uh, basically saying that their whole family has, is lost and, and burning in hell at this very moment. And of course we, we know of that happening. That happens a lot. So pray for this family, if you would. Uh, continue to pray for them that as uh, I'm able to study with them that we can uh, strengthen them and that they can uh, come to a better knowledge of what God expects once we obey the gospel. But keep that family in your prayers. Also uh, ran into uh, Brother Roger today at uh, Martin Boyd, and he said that if we're able to come and participate with the lectureship over Greens Lake Road, that they would be delighted for all of us to come. He said, bring a hundred if you can. I said, well, we'll see what we can do. So uh, uh, we're welcome to come and join with them, and uh, it's not just for the youth, geared toward the youth, but there are life lessons there that will benefit all of us. So uh, if you haven't done so, try to make plans to participate with uh, Greens Lake Road in their upcoming uh, lectureship that they're having. If you would, open your Bibles to Luke 12. Luke 12, beginning with verse 13. Luke twelve thirteen, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of the covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will put down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? 
so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. There was once a man who, as a part of his living, uh, had to do extensive traveling. On one particular occasion, he was going to be leaving home and being on the road, being absent for some time, and as usual, his wife was preparing his luggage for him and, and for the trip. And as she began to package uh, the things that he needed, she was sure to put in his luggage the things that he felt was most important. She made sure that she packed his favorite jacket, his favorite pair of shoes, his favorite nighttime wear, and especially she was diligent in packing his favorite toothbrush. Because on occasion she had packed his bag for him and uh, had left out one or so of these things that he felt was most important. But on this occasion she had packed perfectly. She hadn't left out a thing. Everything that he felt was most important was in his luggage. And so he left on his trip. And there was nothing, absolutely nothing lacking of what he knew was most important. But then we ask the question, or was there? Was something lacking? Well, as he was flying to his destination, the plane had reached its maximum uh, altitude, and it was flying, its cruising altitude, and then disaster struck. One of the engines exploded, causing a backfire of explosions, and ultimately completely destroyed the plane. There was very little left of the airplane. Now, the the fuselage and the, the plane itself was practically destroyed, but there were some items that had been stored in this plane that did fall to earth. And of those items, the things that fell to earth, what was found was a toothbrush. And it was his toothbrush. It was the one of the things that he knew and understood to be most important. Well, the toothbrush wasn't doing him a whole lot of good, was it? His wife had meticulously included these things in his baggage. And he had become upset in the past because he would go on his trip, he would get to a destination, and then all of a sudden he didn't have his toothbrush or he didn't have his jacket or his pair of shoes or whatever the case may be, he didn't have it. And so the problem was that he didn't understand exactly what he did need, did he? I want us to, or I want to tell you what the title of the sermon is tonight. Choosing the right destination. This man was packed incorrectly and was headed in the wrong direction. His destination was not what he thought it was. He wasn't headed in the place where he should have been heading. Not only was he headed in the wrong direction or the wrong destination, he wasn't packed properly to get to the right one. But he thought he was. See, that can be a problem in our lives today, can it? We think everything is good, everything is going well, and we're headed in the correct direction to the proper destination, when in reality we're not even packed properly to get where we want to go. We don't even know how to get there. Paul warned. 2 Corinthians 5.10 He said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, 
whether it be good or bad. See, we're packing for a journey, each of us. We're packing every single day for our journey into eternity. Now, we better pack those things that are most important, hadn't we? We better be able to discern between those things that are most important and those things that will harm our journey. Those things that will cause us to reach the correct or incorrect destination. Now the question should be, are we packing properly those things that are most important to God? Or are we packing for our eternal journey the things the world says is most important? What was this man doing? Well, he was concerned with the things of this life, wasn't he? And I want us all to understand, we better be concerned with the things of this life in its proper place. We can't just ignore uh, our responsibilities. We can't quit our job so we can read the Scripture 24 hours a day. We can't do those things. That just doesn't make sense, does it? We can't be like the ascetics were in the, in the ancient times when, when they, wouldn't, uh, they didn't want anything. They would barely eat enough to keep themselves alive. They had... They said, we don't want to have anything to do with this world. Well, look, if we're living in this world, we better have something to do with it, hadn't we? And we better be able to adjust our lives in such a way that we can impact this world in a proper way. Well, whatever we pack and take with us, that's going to be brought to our remembrance, isn't it? When we stand in the presence of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. We have to keep that in mind. We have to understand that we're packing for a journey. Now like our traveler, the world does not understand what is most important. Not at all. We look around the world today and what do they tell us? Do what feels right for you. If you believe it's right, you do it. Is there a God? Well, we can't see a God. So why do we need to worry about one? That's what the world thinks. Now there was a very wealthy man, which in many ways was just like our traveler we spoke of. He had so much earthly wealth that he needed to tear down his barns. He needed to build bigger ones so he could store the fruit of his labors. He had packed his bags for the long journey, or so he had thought, into eternity, but he packed the wrong things. He wasn't preparing himself for eternity. And in fact... He was determined to go to the wrong destination. And what happened? What did his actions cause God to say to him? Thou fool, this night thy soul will be required. See, we have to be careful. The love of wealth and all things physical was not peculiar to the rich fool. It's common in the world today. Notice some of the things that the love of money has caused. Judas to betray the Lord. Ananias and Sapphira to lie to God. Achan to steal from Jericho and cause all of Israel to be destroyed. It caused the rich young ruler to reject Christ and to go away sorrowfully. It caused many to turn God's house into a den of thieves and they made merchandise of God's religion. It caused Elisha's servant to tell a lie and to be struck a leper. And the list goes on. 
The parable of the rich fool teaches for us a lesson today that is very much needed in our society and in our world. And it was through the teaching of this parable that Christ delivered that message, not just to those who were listening to Him, but also to us today. Now I want us to notice first as we look at this, and we try to learn a few things from it, to learn more than what we, we maybe perhaps we thought we understood from this great parable. I want us to first notice the environment surrounding the telling of the parable. What was the environment? The environment here was very similar to most environments in which the Lord found Himself preaching or teaching among the people. It was almost always a full assault onto the Lord. There was a constant attack. He was teaching the, the Jewish leaders or the people, or He would be teaching the people and the Jewish leaders would try to catch Him up in something. They thought they would tangle Him up in something that He had said. But he was probably, well, there's no probably about it, the greatest debater the world has ever known. The master teacher. The one who had the answer. So the environment or the context of this chapter 12 is actually set in chapter 11. Let's notice that. Jesus had been in the home of a certain Pharisee. He had sat down to eat with him. And someone had something to say about him washing his hands prior to his eating. Well, in fact, he didn't wash his hands, did he? Every young boy in the world today is happy to know that. The Lord didn't wash his hands before he ate. Well, when Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for his focus on things only physical, there was a lawyer in the group. He said, now wait a minute, Master. You're reproaching us as well. Isn't that the case? Often the sinner is happy to point out someone else's faults until it comes right back around and the light shines on him. you remember how Paul so astutely was able to divide the Pharisee and the Sadducee sects as he stood before the leaders? He began to talk about how we believe in a resurrection. Well, the Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in those things. So he was able to take the attention off of himself for a period of time And they began to war with each other. In fact, the Pharisees began to defend Paul on those topics. So we have a lawyer here and he says, Now wait a minute, Master, you're speaking about us too. In essence, of course I'm paraphrasing, we might say, well, if the shoe fits, wear it. Right? You made your bed, lay in it. I heard all those things growing up. Well, Jesus didn't involve Himself in the wrangling of the Jewish teachers, so He struck right to the problem. What was the problem? A love of this world. Now, this isn't a sermon on loving money. That's part of it. But it's not just money, right? What was Demas' problem? Demas, as far as we can tell, was an honest man. We, as far as we can tell in our readings about Demas, he, he wasn't looking to be the most wealthy man in the world. He loved this present world. We might say he loved living in this world. He loved the things that this world offered just in general. Right? So it goes beyond money. But as Jesus continued his speech, his enemies tried to trap him by something he said. Now with that environment and that understanding, we come to chapter 12, which was very typical when he was around others. Now, understanding that the teachings of Jesus often were twofold, He said, I'm going to tear down, I'm going to pluck up. He said, I'm going to build up, I'm going to plant. 
He had some meanings to deliver in this message. This chapter reveals the problems of spiritual disregard and the consequences that follow. So we have to be very attuned to that. In the midst of his assault, Jesus admonished the listener. He had something to say, didn't he? He grabbed their attention. He upset them. Y'all are a bunch of hypocrites, he said. The lawyer says, now wait a minute, you're talking about us as well. He said, now pay attention to what I've got to say. In fact, he gave a series of nine admonishments. I want us to notice. He warned against the leaven of the Pharisees. A little false teaching can destroy the whole congregation, can it? So we have to be on guard. He warned against the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. A heart can become so hardened that it is not possible for it to soften to repentance. He warned against covetousness. When we're obsessed with earthly gain, it's easy to forget about God. He warned against unnecessary worry. We have to place our trust in God. Those things we have or over which we have no control, we need to let God take care of that. He warned against the failure to watch. Watch. We have to be ready. We must be prepared. We have to have our bags packed because our journey into eternity could come at any moment. He warned against unfaithfulness. God entrusted us with the gospel and we better take care of that prized property both in the church and in the world. He warned against spiritual division. We have to be able to leave the traditions in which we grew up. We may have grown up in a denomination that taught something completely in contradiction to what the Bible teaches. There are organizations out there that call themselves churches that don't even believe the Bible. So that can't be pleasing to God, right? And listen, it's difficult to give up something that we've lived in all of our lives. But we have to be willing to do that. He warned them against ignoring the signs of the time. Those contemporary with our Lord, they had the messages. They had the prophecies. They should have identified Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ that was promised. And we have all those same ones. And we better identify Him as well. He warned against failing to make things right in one's life as we're preparing to stand in judgment. The journey is going to happen. We just have to be ready for it. And it has always been the case that all people who have ever lived will at some point stand before God in judgment. One of the wisest admonishments, I believe, of this chapter is so easily overlooked. On the heels of a personal conflict, uh, Jesus tells a parable. But then a brother comes to him. Do you remember what he said? We read it. He said, Lord, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. What was Jesus' response? He said, man, who made me a judge? Who made me a divider over you? What was this man concerned with? He was concerned with earthly things, right? He was concerned with what would help him in this life financially or what would help him to have more comfort. And so he gives a great insight and I believe if we followed this insight it would help a lot of problems in the church. In essence, what Christ did was He stayed out of it, didn't He? He said, who made me the judge over you to divide your property? What's that got to do with me? Have you ever had someone come to you and, and they wanted to tell you something 
that really wasn't any of your business? I have that happen to uh, a lot to me. I haven't in a while, but, but I've had that happen a lot to me. When you deal with people in general, and you're around a lot of people, you hear a lot of things. Or they want you to hear a lot of things, right? I've told the example of a, a preacher telling me one time when I got to a work, he said, uh, we need to go somewhere. There's some things you need to know. I need to fill you in. So he was there prior to my getting there. I said, that's okay. Whatever I need to know, I'll find out. Stay out of it. Jesus decided to stay out of the turmoil. What place did He play in deciding who got what in the inheritance? You know, there are some problems from which elders and preachers ought to stay away. I don't have to know everything. Everything's not my business, right? It's easy to get caught up in the petty problems of others and we lose sight on where we're going. That's all part of this being wound up in this life. That's, that has nothing to do with finances, does it? But we get caught up. We lose our, our job and what Christ did and what He came to earth for, which was truly to seek and to save that which was lost. And since that was His mission, He admonished us, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go out, teach others. Teach them to, to what it means to be a Christian. Teach them how to become a Christian. In fact, Mark 16, 15 and 16, He says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Everybody has a soul. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Everyone is worthy of listening or being able to hear the gospel. The best way to change people in, in this world is to take the gospel of Jesus into the world. If we'll do that, if the church will do that, the social plagues of man can be overcome. We look at the things going on in the world and many of the things that's been stopped. You know, in, in, in our history, we've had slavery, we've had wars, we've had things that are terrible. We have abortion going on, euthanasia. See, we look at this environment of the, of the parable and we easily see what's going on. Don't get wound up in this world. That's the environment, isn't it? But I want us to talk for just a few moments. This is our second point. What's the true essence of this parable. What is the Lord getting at? What did the Master want His audience to take home with them? What was the reason behind the parable? That's what we need to understand. He pointed out the real meaning of life, didn't He? He pointed that out. He wanted them to pay attention. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Luke 2 or Luke 12, 15. Why did Christ call the rich man a fool? That's how he's described. The rich fool, right? The foolish farmer. That's, that's part of his identification. It is, of course, directly related to the reason of the parable. That's why he spoke the parable. He was a fool because he lacked good judgment in this life. He didn't reason properly. He allowed things to distract him. He wasn't living with the right destination in mind. Oh, he thought he was. He thought he was happy. He thought he was doing the things that were necessary. Remember what he said? I'll say to my soul, Soul, you've got a lot of stuff laid up. You've got all you need to make yourself comfortable from now on. Eat, drink, and be merry, and just be happy with what you have created in this life. 
Not only was he not looking at the right destination, he was packing all wrong. His packing was terrible. I know when I leave the country, I have to try to be very judicious in my packing. A couple of years ago, I I got to the airport and I had this bag of, of everything. Right, I was going to be gone for two weeks. looked like I was leaving forever. I was going over into northeast India. I was going to teach a class. And I had all of these big books. And, and of course I love books. And I thought I couldn't not take them with me. And I get up and I put my bag up on the thing. And I'm about $1,000 over limit. I said, now wait a minute here. Surely you're not going to charge me for that. And they said, oh yeah, surely we will. Unless you take something out. So I had to call my wife. She had dropped me off. She had come all the way back to the airport and I had to leave every one of those books behind. I See, I thought that was most important. But what book did I really need to take? How many do you need? Really, I need this one, don't I? I remember leaving behind uh, a lot of peanut butter I had decided to take with me. Now, I, would have, I could have used that once I got there. But see, I was packing wrong. And for all those reasons, that's why he was a fool. Christ asked, Matthew 16, 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I wish we could go into the Hayden realm and have a conversation with this rich fool or the rich man or any number of other people who are here who are in torments at this time, and ask them. Maybe we could ask this rich fool, what do you think about bigger barns? What do you think about tearing down your barns and building bigger ones? What do you think about taking all that credit for all the good things you've done in this life? What do you think about that now? I think his response would be quite different than what we're reading here. The very life of Solomon shows us the reaction that Jesus wanted us to have for the reason of the parable, right? Solomon searched for the answers to the purpose of life. He was in a very unique position to discover those answers. He was in a position where he was the wisest man to ever live, second only to our Lord. He had every single opportunity and wealth to carry out the experiment we know as Ecclesiastes. He left no stone unturned in his quest for the meaning of life. Notice some of the things as you read through Ecclesiastes that he tried to use in order to figure out why he was here. He he tried labor. He devoted himself to wisdom. He experienced everything that could be experienced in this life. He gave his life to pleasure. He tried laughter. He tried wine. He tried great works. He had servants and maids to carry out all of his wishes. He had it going on. He was the richest man of his time and he had simply just become great and had surpassed all who ever came before him. He tried everything. And after all of that, do you remember what he concluded? Notice Ecclesiastes 2 verse 15. He says, as it happeneth to the fool. That's what we're talking about, right? A foolish person. As it happened to the fool, so it happened even to me. 
And why was I then more wise? The same thing the fool did, the same consequences the fool suffered, I suffered. So why was I made more wise? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity or emptiness. He packed wrong, didn't he? He didn't have the right luggage. He hated his life. Ecclesiastes 2, 17. There was no fulfillment in him carrying the wrong luggage packed with the wrong things. He was empty. He had a hole. So what can we learn from this great parable? What was the essence? We noticed the environment. Now let's spend just a moment on the explanation. We must be able to apply the principles of this passage to our lives. And how do we do that? We focus on the preaching of Jesus. We pay attention to what He said. His sermon was designed to rebuke covetousness in all of its forms. Not just financial. We might call it the love of this world. Loving to live in this world. We better be looking forward to our other home, right? We're just pilgrims. We're sojourners. We're like Abraham. We're looking for that city whose foundations were not built by the hands of men. We're going to be here for a very short period of time. We need to choose the correct destination, right? Covetousness is a literal desire to always have more and not for a good reason. It's okay to to desire more. It's okay to work hard to attain that. But we can't hang our hat on it. Now, in this particular context, it is used in conjunction with material possessions. But it's not excluded to that. When we begin to trust in our riches, we lose sight of God. Then said Jesus unto His disciples, Matthew 19, verse 23, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. The apostle of love, he cautioned us not to love the world, right? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the, love, in the world. 1 John 2, beginning with verse 15. We have to be careful what we're packing. We have to be concerned with, and we just sang a song, laying up our treasures in heaven. That's where we ought to focus. Matthew six nineteen through 21. We have to be diligent in making the most important things the most important things. There's not a more tragic mistake than when we lose focus and we don't pack for our journey properly. Paul warned us in Colossians 3, right? If you've been risen with Christ, you came up out of the water of baptism, having become a new creature, having given your life to God, put your trust in God. Focus on things of heaven. Through the preaching of Christ, we can determine the problem that existed then exists now. It's easy. It's right before us. What's the application? The fool could only see his self-worth. He could only see how good he was. He had overlooked God. Has that ever happened before? Well, what about Nebuchadnezzar? Remember he walked out and he looked and he said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for my honor? Daniel 4 verse 30. And then the Lord spoke to him. He said, you're going to go out. You're going to be like an animal. You're going to live amongst the animals until seven times pass over. And then what did Nebuchadnezzar recognize? That God is in control. 
He said, I bless the Most High. I praised and honor Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. God is in control both physically and spiritually. We have to understand that. We better pack accordingly, right? We cannot save ourselves, but we can be saved. We can be saved when we pay attention to what God says and we live according to Him. Faith, repentance, confession, immersion in water, it's written in black and white. Faithful living. Jeremiah said this, Jeremiah 10.23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. We can't save ourselves. We can't create the destination. All we can do is follow the instruction. The application is that God is in control of all things and we better pack correctly, right? The rich fool didn't do that. Our souls are going to be required of God. It's appointed unto man once to die. After that, the judgment. Hebrews 9.27 No getting away from the judgment. And since none of us can escape physical death, what's our option? What's our option? Amos 4.12 The great prophet, he said it all in very few words. Prepare to meet thy God. And that's what we better do. But if we don't pack properly, we're not going to be going in the right direction. We're not going to be headed to the correct destination. We're just simply going to be lost. And only I can know whether I'm lost or not, right? Only I know if I've obeyed the gospel plan of salvation. I look into it. Have I repented of past sins? Have I confessed Jesus to be the Son of God? Have I been immersed in water so that my sins can be forgiven? Not because I was already saved. That's not what the Scripture teaches. And then live a life of faithfulness. When we do that, we can make sure we're headed in the right direction and to the correct destination. Please consider that as we stand and as we sing this song of encouragement. If you need to answer, do that as we stand and sing.